Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season two, episode number three, coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado, home of USA Hockey. And in that vein, Equipping You podcast is helping you put the puck of church leadership right in the middle of the net. I'm Terry, and I am the church ministries leader for the Alliance. (laughs) And I'm Alan trying not to laugh at Terry. And when I'm not laughing at Terry, I'm leading church planning in Eastern PA and coordinating church planning for Alliance Church Planning in the Northeast region of the U.S. of A. I have seen you lead church planning in the Eastern PA while you were laughing at me. Fair I, enough. I would point out. I can do. So. I can multitask when it comes to laughing at you. And with us today is our beloved producer, the Hat Man. Da 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 da. Hat Man. Hat Man. Had to sing. You just had to sing. AJ Gutierrez. Good to be here even though it was preceded by that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yes. You guys just don't appreciate my musical talents and that, abilities. That's true. <laughs> we're going, uh, we're moving well on because I'm feeling unappreciated. So back to back, we had uh, Daniel Yang in episode two talk about church multiplication. And uh, today, Matt Hannon talking about church multiplication. We're going to talk about it from two different oh, perspectives. Oh, completely different two totally angles. totally different perspectives. Yeah. Both are worth worthwhile. So uh, today, uh, Matt Hannon uh, is the uh, uh, former lead pastor of New Heights uh, Church in uh, the Portland area and um, has been a great help to the Alliance, although he isn't Alliance, but he's influenced and helped a lot of our church planners and, and uh, leaders. And uh, he will be Alan in Orlando. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about that. Uh, equipping you podcast or equipping you uh, pre-council rather. Uh, and uh, that's Tuesday, May 28th at 8.30. So sign up for that when you sign up for council. If, if you listen to this podcast, I bet you will want to. Yeah, I think you will. We're not personally haven't been familiar with Matt. Uh, no, I, I don't know him at all, but I've heard so many good things about him. I'm looking forward to this interview. Yeah, uh, a number of our Alliance guys give great testimonials to uh, Matt. So uh, without further introduction or ado, let's uh, grab some coffee, cappuccino, maybe it's summer, iced tea, and let's listen to uh, Matt Hannon. So here we go. <laughs> So we're pleased to welcome Matt Hannon to Equipping You uh, podcast. Matt, thanks for taking the time to uh, join us today. We're happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. So uh, we like to get to know our uh, guests a bit. So why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about your background and ministry and maybe weave in there how multiplication become a, became a fun, fundamental part of your ministry. Sort of a quick story. I, uh, I was not raised in the church never went to church, had nothing to do with the church. Um, the only thing I knew about the church was uh, the only thing they want is your money, uh, <laughs> which is what my folks told me. And 
Uh, I don't know how we knew that because we never went to church. So, <laughs> but, but along the line, uh, I met a girl. She said she was a Christian. I said, wow, so am I. And so, <laughs> what a coincidence. Said, you want to go to your church or my church? And since my church was vaporware, we went to her church. Yeah. And I was loved unreasonably by people. And that just uh, brought an interest in what's the catch? What's the trick here? And of course, the trick was their heart had been changed by Christ. And over time, I, I wanted my heart to be changed too. You know, certainly sought to share my faith. I started a little Bible study, uh, not out of a great motive. Our little congregation was like uh, other little congregations. And when I compared our marquee, uh, we had morning service and evening service and midweek prayer, but we didn't have a Bible study. So I told the pastor, we ought to have a Bible study. And he said, <laughs> well, that's a great idea. Let's let's do that. You, you do it, and I'll pray for you, yeah, which was kind of a switch. And I didn't realize he was doing all the heavy lifting, but uh, that and became a fruitful stu uh, study. A lot, of, a lot of people looked faith, and from that figured out, okay, maybe maybe God's directing my life. So ultimately, <clears throat> again, abbreviating, I I realized, okay, I guess I've got to go in the ministry. There's just no way out of it. And <laughs> in, in kindness, I, I got the girl uh, as my wife, and uh, <clears throat> the ministry uh, opportunity just kept it kept growing. So then in, in my first church role, uh, you start leading a lot of people to Christ uh, because I was looking for people who were like me, who had not been part of the church. So my first pastor was a missionary and uh, he built in me kind of a missionary orientation. As I was at seminary, I was with a lot of guys who wanted to be pastors and I just knew I did not want to be like them. Uh, they were just so churchy, and they would say things like, well, people in the world are like this, and and I'd think, man, that's my mom you're talking about. You say that again, I'm going to clean your cloth. I don't care <laughs> if we're in seminary or not. And, <laughs> so just kind of struggling with, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't think as I pray about it, I should be a missionary, and uh, it just became clear to me one day, no, I need to be a missionary pastor. I need to... Yeah people in this language and culture just as if I were a missionary. And so started structuring life and ministry that way, and church got healthy and grew and all that stuff. And it's in the natural order of things, you know, healthy organisms just reproduce. Mm. Before Praise very God. long, it just made sense to say, yeah, we got to think about planning a church. And, uh, of course, the first thing you have to do is pray up a good church planter, and uh, actually, uh, the very first church planner, a guy who's been vitally involved in the alliance, Dave Reynolds, uh, stepped forward as Go a colleague. Woohoo for Dave! And uh, uh, he, he just he just had all the gifts, and it was just a matter of modest coaching and lots of permission. And but that began a process of multiplication. It's continued uh, since then. Uh, and I just, uh, I'm just trying to transition out of my role as a senior pastor. I've been for 27 years, and the so one of our major contributors keeps track of these things, and he says we are now responsible or participate in a little over 350 church plants now. Wow! Wow! So of course that includes you know children giving birth to grandchildren. Yeah, absolutely. And, That's multiplication for sure, though. Yeah. So. 
so I, I, I love it. I love getting churches started and seeing God work. Uh, it's just a, it's, it's, uh, it's a spectator sport, but it's the greatest spectator sport in the world. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you kind of give us a, a very broad picture of new heights there. Um, you know, jumping from your role in it to 350. <laughs> Can you give us a little bit more uh, in between the lines there? We'd love to hear more of that story. Well, let's, uh, Lord was kind enough to let us come there. It is uh, one of those fluke things that we just seemed like the Lord was calling us to move and transition. And it was my wife who's way ahead of me. She's like, yeah, I, I've been filling the calendar in and I got to October, November, and I just stopped filling in dates. And I just feel like that may be from the Lord. And yeah, she does not announce revelatory moments very often, you know, so it's like, <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. But, you know, we prayed and then it, it just became clear we had, all kinds of churches contacting us. And then there was this one little troubled church that we just really were drawn toward. And uh, we ended up going there. And, you know, it's one of those couple hundred people come to see the new guy and then go back to being 130 people the next week. You know how that starts. And <laughs> for whatever reason, they stuck around and the church has grown. Uh, we now have, we now are, well, we have 12 services in uh, four locations uh, over two days in a couple of different languages. And uh, so it's it's just been a, a fun thing. Uh, just, again, mostly spectator sport. I'd like to say it was all my brain insight, but <laughs> that wouldn't be true. Well, that's a good leader is a humble leader, so we yeah. definitely uh, appreciate that. Yeah. So, Matt, if a church is going to be multiplied, uh, what has to happen first? What what steps lead up to church multiplication? Mm, yeah, I don't think it's uh, in one sense surprising if you compare it just with kind of the normal uh, normal process that God has built in the rest of the world. The first thing is health, and if you don't if you don't have healthy churches, you're in trouble. Um, and of course, it is possible for unhealthy churches to reproduce, um, but they will produce unhealthy churches. Unfortunately, that's um, true. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a reality. And so, you know, you see that with people too, right? I, it is possible for uh, people to be, you know, bringing kids in the world before they're really ready, yeah. but they make for messed up families and messed up kids. So, you know, the first thing is just to try to generate uh, an orientation of health, to have a discipling kind of a mindset that people are, you know, going to be developed uh, spiritually and challenged. That they, you know, when we talk about discipleship, we say, you're, you're responsive to God, and you're responsible in your roles, goals, and relationships, and you're reproductive in terms of your faith. And when those things happen, and they have to happen in that order, um, because it begins with God, and then it, in the process it changes who we are, and as a result we see people differently. But when those things are happening, it, it isn't long before people start seeing, wait a minute, this, this isn't just about me, this is about others. Hmm. And you know, if you, you, you don't have to be a Bible genius to look at the Scripture and see that Jesus' heart is always for the least and the last and the lost. And so if you're growing spiritually before long, those folks start to stand out to you, and you realize, ah, we've got to develop new structures to, to reach out to those people more effectively. So if the church is healthy before long, uh, healthy churches tend to get pregnant. And uh, then it's just a question of saying, okay, uh, how do we process that? So health is the first thing. Leadership is the second thing. If you're not growing leaders, 
then you, then you're in trouble. And uh, unfortunately, I've you know uh, I've seen lots of pastors to get uh, too quickly controlling, and as a result, they won't let others emerge in leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a very dangerous thing because uh, it's actually it's a gorgeous thing to see God grant you new leaders and to grow them and release them for ministry. And uh, you know, I kind of have this orientation. Uh, when you look at the scripture, it's pretty clear that the, the reward for a ministry is more ministry to do. <laughs> but if you're not growing leaders, that's not a reward. That's a curse. Yeah. Wow. Because you get more people, you know, more people, more responsibility, more opportunity. It's like, good, I don't have any time left. I'm not, I can't be myself anymore. But if you're growing leaders, you're just handing it away as quickly as you can. And that ministry produces even more ministry to do. So it's kind of, as I say, it's uh, really seriously, it's more about watching God work than generating uh, stuff. But God's always going to provide leaders. I, I see people always like, where do you get leaders? It's like, well, you grow them. You don't, <laughs> you know, there's there's not a leader bush that you can go pick leaders <laughs> off of. But, you know, the Holy Spirit's faithful. He'll grant you leadership. And if you're faithful to release your leaders, he'll he'll allow you to get more. You know, when you harvest the crop, generally the crop gets richer. I'd say those are the two critical factors, health and leadership. And then underneath those then is an orientation of permission, giving freedom, the willingness to invest, invest generously, not hold on to things, but turn it loose. There are some great nuggets in there. We really appreciate that. You know, what we desire in the Alliance family is just for people to see as multiplication is normal, you know? Yeah, Yeah, it is. Because I think a lot of people think that, Multiplication is only a topic for big churches or top-tier leaders. Uh, can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit and how people can get past that kind of thinking? Uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, uh, we get into silly arguments sometimes, don't we? And, hmm. uh, you know, uh, we just get need to start at, the, start at the beginning and say, wait a minute, God loves the church. He loves the big church. He loves the little church. And uh, where do we ever get the idea that he, he's got favorites? So, you know, if you're if you're there at Pentecost, uh, Peter talks for a little bit, and all of a sudden he's got a megachurch on his hands. <laughs> so apparently the Lord loves the megachurch, and that's a good thing. Now they still met house to house, so there was a need to kind of structure the thing down. And they got they got the challenges of the megachurch. Uh, before long, the the uh, the Greek speaking widows are being overlooked. And the Hebrew-speaking widows are getting priority. Uh, why? Because it's such a big deal that they uh, were being overlooked, so they had to add structure in order to make sure the ministry was happening. So that's good. But you know what? If you're not Peter, but you're the Apostle Paul, and you're in Corinth, and you got to plant a church, no megachurch is going to come out. you got to find—there's not even a synagogue you can go to. you got to find some people who are meeting in a little prayer service over by the water— and you start there. Now, you know, which church is better? Uh, the Lord loves them both. Uh, but the Corinthian church, it grows. Now, it's not free from problems. The Corinthian church is notorious for its problems. There, it's it's not likely that the, the widows are going to be overlooked because of structure. There, it's likely that uh, the Greek-speaking and the Hebrew-speaking are going to resent one another, and one's going to be, you know, more spiritual than the other. So, uh, both all sizes at every level have challenges. All sizes at every level are loved. 
And we need to just say, okay, Lord, what can you do uh, with what we've got? If you look historically at church multiplication, small and medium-sized churches have launched more churches than all other forms. Mm, So for someone to say, oh, no, no, we're not big enough, is to miss their opportunity. I got kids and grandkids. And when I look back and think, you know, when we had kids, it was like, oh, boy, what are we doing having kids? We're crazy. <laughs> um, but people who watched us having kids were really saying that we were crazy. They're, they're, you're nuts. But you know what? The Lord was good to provide. And again, that, that failure to remember that God is ready to provide resources and thus have the freedom to be generous puts people in a lot of uh, uh, unnecessary pain. We don't need to be conserving and holding our resources. We need to be releasing them. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just, just as a praise to the elders of my congregation, I'll just give you what I think is the great example. I came, uh, they'd always talked about planting a church. And I said, well, if I come, we want to plant a church right away. They were talked about it like, oh, okay, what are we going to, I don't know if we can do it. But, you know, I said, yeah, we, you know, that's your decision. I can't make that. It's not my church yet. In, in their wisdom, they said, no, we'll commit to playing a church. But one of the guys said, we can't even afford to pay you. So how are we going to pay for a church plan? And I said, well, you know, I'll kind of let you in a little secret. I can't afford to live on what you're promising to pay me. So I'll go find a guy who is at least as stupid as I am, and <laughs> we'll, we'll be ready to go. So they said, yeah, we'll do it. And I handed them a list of the people I wanted to be on the church plan. And one of those elders said, yeah, but these are our best people. And I said, yeah, but isn't that what we give? We want to give the best of the Lord. We don't want to give eat the apple and give them the core. I mean, you know, David says, God forbid that I should offer the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. Mm. And to their great credit, those guys said, okay, that's the list. Let's make them part of our first plan. And uh, that generous spirit, uh, God really blessed that, that willingness not to hold on and control. And I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of churches keep themselves from planting because they don't see the, that God can provide if they'll just release what he has granted to them already. Yeah, that's beautiful stuff. Thanks for sharing great. your heart there. Great. So you talked about, uh, instead of finding leaders, you talked about kind of growing them or raising them up. How how do you go about doing that? How do you prepare the leaders for church multiplication? Well, you you start with them first in terms of leaders. I have a little acronym that I I share uh, in terms of making leaders. I I just say, uh, I use the little, uh, the the acrostic cash. If you bring me some cash, I can can make you a leader. Um, But it's not buying your way into the job. Um, it's just spelling the word out. The C stands for character. You know, ministry is a character job. The guy who the guy who fixes your sink may be sleeping with thirteen women and selling drugs on the side, but what you need is a good plumber. You don't care. Um, but but you, 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 a leader of the church has got to be a person of character. So that's first. The second is attitude. A person with winning attitude can tackle issues much greater than them. And uh, and it's astounding how much uh, challenge is brought about because of poor or imprudent attitudes. More people are terminated because of bad attitude than because they don't have the skill. 
So character is first, attitude is second, and then the third is skill. That's what the S stands for, skill. And unfortunately, sometimes we put that first. But the, the truth of it is giftedness has to, has to be put in the right place. You know, if we do our theology right, we have to say that uh, the deceiver, the enemy, uh, had enormous skill. But he didn't have character and he had a destructive attitude and it undermined everything. A little bit of skill with, with a person of great character and a winning attitude can go a long, long way. And then the H, that just stands for habits. And I just assume that people are going to come to me with a cluster of habits, some unhealthy and some of them unholy. But as we help to grow healthy, holy habits in people, that sort of actually is what builds character. And so the cycle begins all over again. So it's just character, attitude, skill, and habits in that order. And uh, when you develop those, uh, people step forward. And then it's a matter of looking for, for where's their gifting and where's their calling. And, uh, you know, you're, if you're praying for church planners, the Lord's going to send them. And, you know, you just got to be ready to release them. Yeah. Well, I got to say that uh, those four letters are, are money. That is uh, yeah. Really, yeah. really good stuff, yeah, man. Solid. I can't believe I've never heard that acronym before. I've read so much leader stuff. stuff I've never heard that. Well, I made it up, but I'll, 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 I'll sue you if you ever use it. Or something. <laughs> I'll give you credit because I am going to use it. <laughs> I, I couldn't care less. So, yeah. so you but live- it, but it's critical because it's the emphasis where it needs to be. And, you know, when the emphasis gets wrong, that's the problem. How many churches, for instance, have held on to someone in an inappropriate role because, well, there's, but they're so gifted. And it's like, no, wait a minute. If their character is compromised yeah. or if their attitude is bad, listen, that has to be challenged first. And uh, so you put the wrong thing in the wrong place, the wrong sequence, it can really undermine everything. So, Matt, you're up in the Pacific Northwest and yes, uh, reputation of that area, and you can correct us if this is wrong, uh, would be that it's more secular than Christian. Uh, seems to those of us, uh, those of us on the outside looking in, to be a hard place to evangelize and plant churches. But you've done that; God's enabled you to do that. How did you overcome these barriers? Which I think is a particularly important question because the whole nation is becoming more and more secular, more and more post-Christian. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think a little bit of that is just that orientation of, as I say, being more of a missionary pastor rather than. Uh, you know, people are going to come into the doors of the church. The question is, how do we structure ourselves to connect with people in the community? And so uh, in, in our setting, we say that we seek to bring help and hope and home to hurting people. Mm. And if, if, you, if you just orient yourself that way, there is no shortage of hurting people. And so... Uh, if, if you're thinking about just what's being delivered from the front, uh, whoever's speaking, they need to teach the scripture, but they need to teach the scripture in such a way that they're delivering help and hope and home. That, you know, the, the, the mom whose daughter just sat down with her and said, Mom, I don't know, I, I've been waiting to say this to you, but I really wonder if I think I might be gay. Listen, she needs, she needs help. And if you're not, if you're not offering that, she doesn't have a reason to come. You know, the, 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 the woman whose husband was just told that he's got a, a quadruple bypass coming up. I mean, she's looking for hope. 
And if you don't, if you can't deliver that, and from the scripture you ought to be able to, then again, why should why should she come? And home, of course, you know, home is the place where you can laugh. Especially, you can laugh at yourself and laugh with others at yourself. So, if you can't relax and quit taking yourself too seriously, um, then you know you, you present a barrier. In the, the in the Christian environment, we ought to take ourselves uh, so non seriously that we can take God very seriously. Hmm. So we 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 look at that opportunity, but that has to be not just what you say from the front; it has to be the ministries that permeate. So, you know, uh, show me a congregation and I'll show you several alcoholics. Have any of those alcoholics found help and hope and home? Uh, Then great. Let's start a ministry towards alcoholics and let's let's offer that in the community. Show me any given congregation. I'm going to show you a bunch of angry people. Well, let's structure a ministry to help people deal with their anger. Show me a small congregation. I'm going to show you some people whose marriages have failed. Well, let's let's put together a divorce recovery structure and offer these in the community so that people say, oh, you have the same kind of need that I do. And when people, when, when their pressing need is honestly being addressed, then God begins to open doors to talk about everyone's most profound need, which is faith in the Lord Jesus. But you've got to start with their pressing needs. And if you do that, there's no shortage of hurting people. You know, Thoreau said the mass of men live lives of quiet desperation. And that's true whether it's a pre-Christian, post-Christian, or Christian environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's still the basis to offer that. It's good, good, encouraging, deep thought for sure. And yep. uh, it should be inspiring to all of us as we think about multiplying yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier you got, what, 12 services in a couple of languages. They're meeting in multiple spaces, I'm assuming, as well, because that's a lot in one space. Four locations. Yeah, four distinct locations. Yeah. So you got some multi-site and you've planted churches. You know, talk to us about the decisions between planting by sending a congregation, you know, a team out or multiplying locations. Uh, How did you go about making those kind of decisions? Mm Hmm. Oh, I wish I could say it was through some real, you know, deep, insightful process, but <laughs> some of it is just opportunity. I, I, my bias is more towards church planting rather than expanding the congregation. I'd rather always be starting a new church. But there are times where people have come to trust the individual congregation that you might say that that brand is trusted in the community. And so because of that, well, okay, then we can multiply using that name. So uh, in our in our setting, the New Heights name has a lot of traction in our county. People trusted that. So even though we were also planting, we said, yeah, well, we could also do the multi-site approach. I, I'm not biased against either. I'm, I'm grateful for any means of multiplication possible. But most churches, it's harder to do a multi-site because it's a challenge structurally you, you know, you really are going to have to delegate serious energy and effort and grow new leaders at, at, a, at a substantial level. Once you go to two sites from three sites, um, then it really becomes uh, complicated because, hey, that site pastor has got to be in charge on the weekend. And then there has to be a through the week uh, revision that says, hey, how do we all get together on the same page? 
So it's a, it's a silly, serious challenge to leadership. I wouldn't tell people to do it casually, but I, I think it can be done productively. But most churches can certainly be part of helping to start a church, or they can band together with other churches. And one of the things I love to do is to get four or five smaller churches together and say, hey, let's work together and coordinate that. One of the things uh, I so appreciate about the Alliance is you guys have fostered a spirit of uh, churches, congregations working together to help foster new congregations. And sometimes a little bit larger church can be a flagship in that. Sometimes what we've done is said, well, we'll hold 50% of the of the cost in starting this new plant. And then five other churches, you take 10% each. And, uh, and when we're done, we've got a, we've got a plant going. And, uh, and actually what we work from that is kind of a buyout. We have one church kind of gets to own that planter. And then over time, they get 20% of the support and buy out one of the other churches. And then 30% before long, that that's you might say completely their plant and they can really devote themselves to it. Alan and I were part of a partnership like you described in the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area, starting an urban church. None of us could have done it alone. We yeah. none of us were gigantic churches, but uh, working together, it was still the hardest thing we'd ever done in our lives. <laughs> <Sure>. But because uh, <laughs> urban church planning is hard, yeah. but, uh, but yeah. it was great to you know, be arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder with our brothers and sisters doing it. Some churches are being planted in a missional community model. Others more of a, an attractional model. Does the model make the difference? Pros and cons. Do you have a preference? Yeah, I do have a preference. My preference is that lost people are one for Christ and growing in him. Amen. Preach. Preach. And so, <laughs> and so <laughs> any method that will get that done, I'm in favor of. Uh, if I have a non-preference, my non-preference would be people who have utilized one model would be antagonistic to the other. Uh, yes. The truth of it is they exist across the spectrum. If a church is having some momentum, uh, they will offer something to the community that might be more attractional. Oh, good. Does that mean they forfeited their missional uh, nature? Um, oh, I hope not. Um, so, you know, these things are, do not exist in, in uh, antagonism to one another, except in the minds of, of some folks. Um, if you start with a missional community and you are effective in your mission, you reach some people, before long you're going to be reaching a few more people. Well, uh, now you're ready to perhaps start a new congregation. Do you tell anybody that that new congregation is going to start? Oh, my, oh dear God, you're you're being attractional. Don't do that. It's like, <laughs> no, we don't care. What we want to do is make sure that lost people are found, restored to faith in one another and reconciled to each other. And if that's happening, let's support it. Amen. So I think it's an unnecessary battle. Do we need to say, how do I, how am I sensitive in this community? Yes. But being sensitive in this community is uh, is not the same as being reactive to different models. Yeah. And honestly, when you look at people who are reactive to the different models, they use the extreme of each model and they reject it. Yeah. And the truth of it is uh, we don't need the extremes. You know, it's, it, it's sort of like the argument, which wing of the aircraft do you think is the most important? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm kind of a fan of both myself. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. I'm flying tomorrow. So yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, just because I'm seated on the right hand side and can only see the right wing, it doesn't mean that the left hand side isn't necessary and vital. Yeah. Uh, and so I just need to, you know, be careful about my quick statements. Yeah, I like that perspective. I love your heart, man. I appreciate you trying okay. to hold these kinds of things in tension. Too many people live in an either-or perspective, and yeah. it keeps us from being fruitful. You've got some resources uh, that we could direct people to uh, that would help them grow in multiplication wisdom and maybe in leadership development wisdom. Can you point us towards some? Well, let me just say, first of all, I get opportunity to speak to lots of different groups or kind of around the world. And uh, as an unpaid advertisement, I'm so impressed with the Alliance. Every, every denominational group has its challenge, but I would say, for instance, the United States, the Alliance is probably the healthiest denominational group that I see. Well, thank you, you. Do, you do a great job of providing care and support uh, for your leaders um, you, 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 uh, are really good at trying to stay on task. You don't have a lot of mission loss. Um, now, you know, you have your challenges and heartburn and sure. uh, so do we all. Yeah. But you guys do a terrific job. Thank you. So I, I, one of the things I would just say is that uh, the Alliance itself is, uh, doing some, uh, terrific things and guys would do well to, to, uh, to look within uh, the alliance in terms of the resources that you are are providing, so that's the that's the first thing. Resources on on church planting. In some cases, some guys need real specific technical. What's my next step? Uh, kind of a thing. So guys like Bob Logan uh, have written very legitimate kind of mechanical kinds of things that are can be a great step for a guy who needs a checklist. Others need kind of larger frameworks or an Aubrey Malfurs, uh, some of his works are good in terms of giving a little bit more of a philosophic framework and what are we trying to, uh, what are we trying to achieve? Um, the only thing I would say in terms of bringing any of these kinds of resources together is, again, just be careful that you don't let one overdrive the other. There's a reason why the church exists as the scripture exists, as Jesus came to us, uh, you know, a, a divine thing that's housed in a very human sort of structure. Uh, so some guys, because they're so enamored of the divine work, will not stoop and ask the questions of, okay, what are the human structures that need to be given attention to? And other guys are just more oriented to human structures, and they need to incorporate in their reading those who are reminding them, wait a minute, this is a work of God. And you know we lose that balance over and over again. We we lose it in the in the deity and humanity of the Lord Jesus. We lose it in the in the uh, full understanding of the Scripture as given by God, but still coming through men. And in the, just the same way, in the life of the church, we get guys who are you might say more structuralists and guys who are more uh, organic types. And the truth is, we 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 have to listen to one another if it's gonna if it's gonna flourish. Hey, Matt, thanks a lot. We really appreciate the opportunity today to tap into your experience and wisdom, the things that the Lord has taught you along your journey. We're looking forward to having you in Orlando at our equipping you pre council on May twenty eighth, starting at eight thirty. Yeah. Encouraging everybody that's listening out there who has an interest in what you've said today to sign up for your 
track, training track uh, that morning. You're coming in on the red eye, so we're praying for your flight. And uh, uh, so grateful for your investment over the years in our Alliance work and your kind words today toward the Alliance. We're very thankful. So thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank and you. May God yeah. continue to use you. I look forward you. to being with you guys. And one of the things I will do at that time is present very uh, concrete examples of distinct models of planting uh, more than we could do in, a, in an environment like sure. this. So it may help some guys to say, okay, that's the model that would work best for us. Sure. Great. Wonderful. We'll see you there. And uh, yeah. until then, God bless you, my brother. God bless. Thanks, you guys. Thanks Thank for the you. time. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, Alan, again, wow. Well, I am definitely not disappointed. Matt came through. <laughs> yeah, above and beyond the call of duty came through. Great stuff. So uh, if you're out there church planning or thinking about church planning, uh, listen to this uh, two or three times and uh, drink in all of the experience and wisdom that this good brother uh, brought our way and plan to be in Orlando to see him at Equipping You Pre-Council. So uh, end of the episode and uh, yeah, look forward to coming back to you next time. Any words of wisdom before we go out? Yeah, Alan? you know, we always encourage people to share it. And this time I would really encourage you to share it with some of your local, maybe your regional pastors and say, hey, how can we work together to multiply? I think yeah. we'd be really happy to do that. So share this with some other pastor friends. Yeah, if you can't plant alone, you can certainly plant in yeah. partnership. Absolutely. And uh, impact your community for Jesus Christ. Looking forward to being back for the next episode. Until then, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.